Welcome to Joe Boyd's A to Z, at the bottom of our second alphabet, where the strings of our heart go. the 60s British group The Move, covering a coaster's version of the 30s classic made famous by Judy Garland, Zing Went the Strings of My Heart. Bit of an odd choice for a cutting-edge pop psychedelic band to record in 1967, hmm? But The Move were a very odd group. You may know them from their British hit singles in 67 and 68, such as... I'm just sitting watching flowers in the rain I was working in London for Electra Records in the spring of 1966 when the move began coming down from Birmingham every week for a residence at the Marquee Club in Wardour Street. I describe these gigs in my book, White Bicycles. Here's a compressed version. I had a Tuesday evening ritual for visiting dignitaries. Dinner at Li Ho Fook in Chinatown, then a walk up Wardour Street to the Marquee for the move. John Sebastian and Zal Yanovsky from Loving Spoonful, Paul Butterfield, Mike Bloomfield, Jack Holtzman, Phil Oakes, they all got this treatment. And privileged they were for the move in their prime were a phenomenon few Americans ever saw. They attacked the audience with volume and speed. Their own songs, Motown B-sides, even things like Zing Went the Strings of My Heart, all delivered with power, turn-on-a-dime tempo changes, and rich harmonies screamed in perfect pitch by four voices, two of them usually falsetto. Their music verged on psychedelia, but it was a beer drinker's psychedelia. Lead guitarist and songwriter Roy Wood may have taken his share of acid in later years, but initially he just incorporated sounds coming up from the underground, magpie-like, into the move's music. Everything was always moving faster and faster, more and more dazzling harmonies, arrangements, and power. Confidence was overwhelming. end of the last song, one by one, they would leave the stage, instruments leaning against amps, screaming feedback, until only Bev Bevan, the drummer, remained, pounding out a stentorian drum solo. He would fiddle with something behind the bass drum before joining the others in the wings. The empty stage roared at the crowd in the tiny club until Bev's enormous firecracker exploded 
the roadie yanked the master plug, and the audience was left in smoky silence, staring dumbfounded at the stage. She could set the place on fire. After the book came out, a few Move fans sent me live recordings, but they were all from later, after the mad genius bass player Ace Kefford had fallen by the wayside, and they were reduced to a four-piece. Their hits, produced by Denny Cordell, were short, crafted bits of British pop from that period, and I could bring forth no evidence of what I had seen. I still can't, really, but the Move fan club sent me a video of some live appearances on German TV when Ace was still with them. They stick to the three-minute pop limitations, but you might be able to get at least an idea of some of the energy and power. in the book about their manager, Tony Secunda. He came from South London and had knocked around the worlds of music and professional wrestling since the early 60s. He was a cartoon villain, a reptilian hustler who bragged of his time in prison but was possessed of a ready wit and sinister charm. I suggested that Secunda blew it by not taking them to San Francisco straight away when they were still at their best. I like to think Fillmore audiences would have loved them. Silent night, a stranger night affair With windows shouting wind into your ear You listen to the spirits by the eye These things you hear are too much for you chapter, I talk about how Soho, in the summer of 66, was, quote, like the steps in 350 AD with Visigoths, Ostrogoths, Vandals, and Huns queuing up to pillage the Roman Empire. Cream, The Who, Hendrix, Jethro Tull, 10 years after, Traffic, Rod Stewart. You could find all their managers in Water Street pubs talking up their plans to conquer America. That British showbiz attitude was alien to the States, where it was all supposed to be about the music. British groups put on a show, and the Moves show was one of the best. 
Secunda went too far with the hype, though, sending out a postcard promoting a new single with a libelous cartoon about Prime Minister Harold Wilson. The group and their finances never recovered from the lawsuit. Roy Wood went on to a great career with Wizard and other projects. Bev Bevan started the Electric Light Orchestra. But the others kind of fell by the wayside. When lead singer Carl Wayne died some years back, the obituary said he'd been singing at the end of Southport Pier. Secunda and Denny Cordell died tragically within days of each other in 1995. By that time, Secunda was living in Northern California with the most unlikely enterprise, publishing guides to American national parks. I still like to imagine the move at the Monterey Pop Festival. This is Joe Boyd bringing to an end the second scroll down the alphabet and to a temporary halt in the regular podcasts. I've been told by my platform, ACAST.com, that they can no longer host commercial-free programs. And I've got to finish my book on world music. So we'll be taking a break, and the back catalogue of letters may have to find a new home. Some of them are up on Mixcloud already. ACAST has promised to display my forwarding address. Until the next time, and I'm sure there'll be a next time, this is Joe Boyd thanking Pez Andrews for all the wonderful work he's done engineering and putting together these podcasts, and also thanking my wife, Andrea Gertler, for her great kibitzing contributions, corrections, suggestions, and general improvements of many of the programs. Until then... When the strings of my